He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Indeed, we thank Tracy Reese for that uh, amazing conversation. Uh, as I said, she's doing such an amazing job as a, uh, as a just just a pretty uh, pretty in, uh, uh, astounding. I'm trying to find the right word uh, um, uh, uh, there. Uh, an astounding um, bit of work she's doing in Detroit. Uh, of course, her, her fashion designs are, are all that and then some. Uh, but I thank Tracy for that conversation, and I, uh, I, I appreciated it uh, immensely. Please be joined now, as promised, by Kat Calvin, uh, who is a lawyer, activist, and social, social entrepreneur who has a new book out that I find fascinating. It's called American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an Accidental Activist. And I'm pleased to have Kat Calvin join us live now in studio. Kat, how are you today? I am so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you for these uh, minutes that we do have. Um, I, I love the subtitle, Notes from an Accidental Activist. Uh, it leads to the obvious question, how does one become an accidental activist? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I actually, I'm surprised because I, when we put that subtitle, I didn't realize like how many people were going to really be drawn mm-hmm. to it. Um, it's It's really because I'm... I accidentally tripped into the ID issue. I've always been an activist. I come from a long line of activists. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started this whole journey, I was thinking about voter ID and mm-hmm. voter ID laws because like most of us, that was the only context I really had mm-hmm. for any sort of ID issues in this country. And it took about five seconds after starting the org to realize, oh my God, there are 26 million American adults who don't have ID. And voting is just one tiny part Mm -hmm. of how that actually impacts people. People aren't getting jobs, healthcare, social services, all these other things. And I'm sort of without even trying, IDs became my life. And I really uh, started to very passionately pursue this uh, endeavor of trying to secure IDs for everyone. And it just it just sort of happened. It really was an accident. <laughs> Tell me more about the ID issue as you, as you refer to it, the ID issue. Yeah. So we have 11% of adults in this country, 26 million adults who don't have government issued photo ID. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the little card that we, mm-hmm. we think all of us have that you need for everything. If you want a job, if you want health care, if you want food from a lot of food shelters or beds in our food banks or beds in shelters, if you want any, you know, WIC or SNAP, if you want anything mm-hmm. in this country, you need an ID. But we have 11% of adults who don't have one and they're really hard to get, mm-hmm. which, you know, any of us who have been to the DMV, which unfortunately is most of us, I'm there yeah. almost every day because I've made some terrible life choices. Um, <laughs> you know, it's hard. You need a whole stack of documents. You need money. You yeah. need transportation. More than 10 million Americans live more than 10 miles from a DMV. Um, and so we end up with all of these folks who can't get a birth certificate. If you go to Vital Records and you ask for a birth certificate, they'll ask for your ID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you want ID, you need a birth certificate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and more than 15 to 18 million Americans don't have access to their birth certificates or their citizenship records, right? And so then you have people who need that. You need your social security card in most states, which you also need an ID mm-hmm. to get. You know, you need um, records of proof of residency, which if you are on housed or if you're a senior or very young and living with people and your name isn't on any bills or whatever, it's hard to get. You have all of these different pieces of paper that you need in order to get this ID, along with a lot of money Mm. and transportation. And so we have a huge percentage of our country who doesn't have that. That seems like an astounding number of Mm -hmm. fellow citizens who have no ID. Yeah. 
It's it's honestly shocking. Um, and I and when I started, actually, it was 21 million. And then this really incredible new study came out updating the numbers in uh, November, and mm-hmm. it's gone up five million since I started this org to 26. It is, you know, it's a huge percentage, but I think. We think it's so big because we actually forget how many people in this country are living in abject poverty, mm-hmm. right? How many people in this country have been completely forgotten. And really, when I think about it, it's incredible to me that 89% of Americans actually have the privilege mm-hmm. to have those documents and have the money and have the ability to get these ideas. What's driving the increase? Um, and I'm not naive in asking that, but you just mentioned when you start, since the time you started, it's gone up $5 million. What's driving that increase? Uh, well, there's an increase in uh, in homelessness mm-hmm. in this country, right? And, and I think I I suspect that next year we're going to see a huge increase because of all the things that are happening this fall. Um, but there's a huge increase in homelessness. There's a huge increase in poverty in general. Um, and you know, if you don't have the money to mm-hmm. spend on you know thirty dollars on a birth certificate, forty dollars on an ID, etc. Um, there's also with young people, one thing, and I have a whole chapter in my book about y- the youth, because one thing that we don't realize is that young people are getting driver's licenses at a much lower rate mm-hmm. than they were, you know, when I was a kid, when you were a kid. I'm, but then they're also not realizing they still need to go to the DMV mm-hmm. and get an ID. And so, and we don't, we have a lot of schools that aren't helping provide, et cetera. And so we have this group of young people that are really significantly growing that aren't leaving school with mm-hmm. the ID they need. So there's just a huge population. We have, you know, so many seniors declining into poverty right now, you know, ending up unhoused. Um, and we have a, a large percentage of the folks we work with are seniors. Also, we have an ever increasing uh, number of people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. and formerly incarcerated folks. You, they take your ID when you go in. They don't yeah. give you a new one when you get out. What, what, what are the what are the what are the uh, consequences or put another way? Mm-hmm. What are the difficulties of trying to navigate life in this country without an ID? So I'll tell you, one of the most common things that people say to us when they get their ID is, I'm a person again. Because mm. you're, you're just not without one, right? Um, I had a client earlier this year. He's a veteran. He was living in his van in the VA parking lot here in L.A. Mm-hmm. because he didn't have an ID or a driver's license. So he couldn't get a job. He couldn't get into a shelter. He couldn't you know, move forward with his life. He couldn't drive his van. I, I helped him get his ID. And then I drove him around and I helped him get a phone and let him send you. Know, he couldn't get, replace his bank card without an ID. Mm-hmm. Let him send that to my house. Within a week, he had two jobs. Right. Like he wanted to work. And that's what it is, is that without an ID, you can't move your life forward. You cannot escape homelessness. If you get a Section 8 voucher, but you don't have ID, you can't get that apartment. Right. We have now all of these people. um, I was just speaking to an attorney who has been working with folks in Maui who barely escaped their homes with their lives. Mm -hmm. Didn't get any of their documents. Mm. But you know what you need in order to get FEMA support? You need an ID, right? If you want to go to school, if you want Medi-Cal, if you want SNAP, if you want WIC, if you want anything, you have to have an ID. So you cannot escape homelessness or poverty without one. And it is very difficult to get. And, you know, we work with everyone from the mayor's office to LASA to every homeless services organization in L.A. and in 21 states. And we are either the only people who get IDs or we are training and, and providing people with the means to do it because no one's helping with it in a, in a in an era in a moment um in american history where the government seems to want to know everything about us mm-hmm. 
why then is it so difficult to get an ID? <laughs> One would think that the government would be giving these things mm, away. So. They want to track everybody anyway. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And, you know, we're the only country that has this problem. This is only an American issue. It's, it isn't because they aren't tracking us or don't want to, a better way to track us. Mm -hmm. It's because in America, we believe you have to earn the right to live. And so we don't ever provide anything for free that would help you be able to survive, right? That's why we don't have universal health care. Yeah, hold, hold on for a second. There, there's something wrong with that, that frame. And, and, oh, everything's you're, wrong you're, with you're right. But there's something wrong with that frame in the richest nation in yes. the history of the world. Right. Because we are a nation that has always bought into the fallacy that you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm. right? And wh everyone, whether, whether you have boots or not. Right. Yeah. And everyone, I mean, you know, I call it Clarence Tom Thomas syndrome, right? Mm. Everybody who actually had all the support and help that they could possibly have to make it to a place where they could make change for anybody then pulls up the ladder. Mm. And we just really functionally, this is why we're completely okay as a country with having millions of millions of children starving to death mm -hmm. in the wealthiest country in the world because well, too bad your parents don't make enough money for you to have food and health insurance too bad mm -hmm. right like we just are not a country that believes that there is a fundamental right to anything particularly food shelter health the things that every other country in the world thinks you know you're, you exist so you should have this I'm glad she became an accidental activist <laughs> uh, aren't you uh, just so glad she became an accidental activist if she'd done it on purpose I don't know what I would expect uh, in in this conversation her name is Kat Calvin American Identity in Crisis Notes from an Accidental Activist is her text we'll talk more about it when we come forward on Tavis Smiley what's your quarrel with the world you're listening to Tavis Smiley more honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Kat Calvin is our guest. Her book is called American Identity in Crisis. Notes from an Accidental Activist. And we've been talking about ID issues. And this is really sort of arresting the data that she's sharing with us about how, uh, about how many millions of Americans don't have IDs. And all the difficulty uh, that um, they have to encounter, of course, trying to navigate life without an ID in this country. You were saying to me during the break, sometimes the best parts of the show are in the break. I try to not do that so I don't have to reprise it on the air. But here we go. Um, you were telling me that um, uh, after 9-11, uh, the rules changed to make these IDs harder to get. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, when 9-11 happened, uh, the 19 terrorists had something like 36 uh, IDs that they had gotten essentially legally state IDs. Um, and so, and that's how they, you know, were able to rent cars and sort of mm. do a lot of, a lot of things that led to the attacks. And so, Post 9-11, um, one, that's where the real ID comes from, is the 9-11 Commission was like, all right, we've got to make these more secure. Um, but obviously, it's been, what, 23 years, and mm -hmm. we still don't actually have that implemented. Uh, DMVs in um, every state in the district were not going to wait. And so overnight, they changed a lot of the rules. And I think one thing that people don't realize is that um, DMV rules about sort of what document need, documents you need, et cetera, for most states, it's not statutory. It's literally just like a person, whether it's the head of the Department of Transportation or mm -hmm. in D.C., it's literally just Muriel Bowser. Like there's just a person or a committee that can decide. And so they just overnight, without telling anybody, changed the rules. And so that's why for a lot of us, we don't remember remember this being as hard when we first got our IDs or driver's licenses because it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It's a new thing. And so I'm 
they not only did they significantly change the number of documents you need. You know, you used to be able to, if you had an Arizona ID and then you moved to California, you could just take that ID and get a California ID, mm-hmm. but not now. Now you have to have every single document, you know, all originally. Um, and so what that did was it significantly cut out this huge population of folks who maybe had had IDs before or who now are young who never had access to all of those documents. Mm-hmm. You know, we work with a lot of seniors who uh, never had birth certificates because either they were born in rural areas or they were black born in a Jim Crow town, mm-hmm. you know, I, and now we're trying to get them IDs, but it is very difficult. We've got a 96 year old gentleman who was born in rural Texas and we need to get him an ID and you can get a thing that sort of from the state says you never got a birth certificate, mm-hmm. but they want, you know, a statement from the original doctor who would be 500 years old at this point, mm-hmm. right? They want a school <laughs> record. The school's been torn down, right? They want a church record. The church has been torn down. You're like, there's nothing. And so we can't get him a birth certificate. And so uh, what happened was we did what America always does, which is that we act um, in defense so, so aggressively that we don't think about the people that will be impacting, right? So this isn't even, this wasn't done on purpose to impact people. It's just that we didn't think about the most vulnerable people when we made these full changes. It's always amazing to me how when we think we're solving problems, we end up creating additional problems. It is the American way. I digress. (laughs) We're very good at that. We are very good at it. Uh, When we come forward in our remaining moments with Kat Calvin talking about her new book, American Identity in Crisis, Notes from and accidental activists. Um, We're in election season, uh, and Republicans certainly don't want most of us to have IDs when we go vote. Uh, And so I'm I'm curious about the intersection, the nexus uh, between IDs and voting. We'll talk about that with Kat Calvin when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. To make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. So, Kat Cavan, we are in the uh, the midst, uh, uh, whether we like it or not, <laughs> of a presidential election season, uh, and not just presidential election, but uh, uh, an American election season. Uh, and I wish these things could be more condensed. I hate this two-year process of running for the White House. Other countries do it in a matter of weeks. Yeah. We do it over a two-year span, which drives me insane. <laughs> but a lot to talk about on talk radio, at least. But we're in this we're in this season, and we're talking. And your work is about uh, ID. Uh, issues. Um, what's the nexus as you see it between IDs in this country and voting? I well, you know, the whole voter ID issue started because Republicans saw what happened with the ID crisis before anybody else, mm-hmm. and and realized that they could take advantage. Um, and so what we saw after Shelby County v. Holder, the landmark mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court case in 2013, was that states started to expand voter ID laws exponentially. So uh, in 2013, before that case, we had about four states that had voter ID laws. By the 2016 election, we had 21, and mm-hmm. now we have 36. Mm-hmm. So it just it hit like a wave. And you know, part of why I'm writing this book, why I'm really passionate about this is that because no one knew that there was this huge problem with IDs, it sounded logical to everybody, mm-hmm. right? It sounded logical to Dems. Last year, where we had, you know, or the year before, we had Dems just falling all over themselves to agree with Joe Manchin that we should have IDs and voter ID laws in all 50 states, right? Because no one knows or really cares about this group of people. Um, and Republicans who are just so incredibly strategic, and I wish we were more like them, they immediately mm-hmm. saw an issue and realized, like, oh, there's this group of people no one's going to pay attention to. They have the tendency to vote Democratic, but not all, but they were 
willing to toss out their group of folks who don't have IDs in order to hit the larger target. Um, and they're like, oh, well, if we create these voter ID laws, it cuts out this huge percentage of mm. voters, mostly black and brown, mostly low income. Um, and so, and we've seen, you know, with the numbers, how what an impact it's had. So if you look in 2016 at Wisconsin, for instance, the uh, margin of victory between Hillary and Trump was something like 14,000 votes. There are 225,000 registered voters in Wisconsin who don't have ID. Mm. And we see those numbers comparatively in every single state. So it's a huge group of people who cannot vote because they don't have IDs. You mentioned black and brown and low income. Mm -hmm. Um, Give me some sense of how I'm going to assume how because I've been black my whole life and I've done this for 30 some years. (laughs) I'm going to assume, speaking of black and brown and low income, that this voter ID issue hits those constituencies disproportionately. Oh, absolutely. So, I I mean... When we look at socioeconomic status in this country and race, they are obviously intertwined because that's the entire way that this country was built. And so if I always tell people when you think about who doesn't have IDs, just remember you can't get a job without ID. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at folks who are returning citizens, folks who are unhoused, folks who are domestic violence survivors, former foster youth, et cetera. And unfortunately, black and brown people, particularly black people, tend to make up larger numbers of those populations. Well, you're doing the Lord's work, as we say around here. You're doing you're doing <laughs> righteous you. work, and I'm glad that you are doing it. Uh, I was saying to Kat earlier in the conversation um, that uh, during one of the breaks, in fact, uh, her subtitle is "Notes from an Accidental Activist," uh, and I I put it another way: you're not just an accidental activist; you assigned yourself. Uh, that's my way of putting it. You assigned yourself. And I say to black people all the time, there are all kinds of challenges that our people face every day. And what you have to do is to assign yourself. You see the problem, assign yourself to do something about it. That's what you did. So you call it accidental activist. I call it assigning yourself. Either way, I'm glad you're doing it. (laughs) And I'm glad you wrote the book. Her name is Kat Calvin. That's Kat with a K. Uh, American Identity in Crisis Notes from an Accidental Activist. A powerful read that I highly recommend. Uh, Kat, thanks for the work that you're doing and thanks for coming in to see us. Thank you so much. My great honor. 